We celebrate you. Welcome to Lofty Heights Christian Center, a ministry that exists to raise kingdom influencers. As a church, we emphasize three things. The Word, the integrity of it and its ability to transform, the Holy Spirit, His power and demonstration of the same, and love. Love for God, for yourself, and for others. You are about to experience God's undiluted Word from God's servant. Get ready for a transformation. Taking territories is the revelation of Jesus Christ. It is very important that anyone that will take a territory understands I'm not trying to take a, a, a personal territory. It's not an ambitious thing. This thing is about the King, Jesus Christ, and his kingdom. And that's why when Peter called the revelation, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, he said, blessed are you, Simon by Jonah. Flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. For you to know that I'm the Christ, I'm the Messiah. For you to know that I'm the Son of the living God. So for you to see beyond, behind the veil of my humanity to the fact that I am God, I am divinity clothed in humanity, that has taken revelation. Uh, and, and of course, it's because he was Son of Man. And, and as Son of Man, he was identified with us as one of us. And there are two things that are very important about he being Son of Man. The first one is his ability to identify with us and then go on our behalf to the cross to pay the price for our sins. The other one is for him to be able in his humanity to demonstrate what true humanity is. Because true humanity was what Adam had in the Garden of Eden before the fall. The moment Adam fell, what we see is counterfeit humanity. Living a life of sin is counterfeit humanity. Cain killing his brother is counterfeit humanity. The jealousy and the envy is counterfeit humanity. Wickedness in the days of Noah is counterfeit humanity. Abraham missing it uh, before he eventually got it right is counterfeit humanity. The polygamy of Jacob, counterfeit humanity. Everything, yes, you see counterfeit humanity before you finally see Christ reintroduced. Praise God. And in Christ, we see the demonstration of perfection of humanity once again. We see a human being with authority and dominion over the forces of nature and over forces of darkness. And now Jesus says uh, that, look, uh, on this rock of the revelation of my divinity, I'm going to build my church. Because the church is going to be built on that revelation. Jesus is God. And because of that, the church will understand that uh, when they are transformed by their faith in his finished work on Calvary's cross, they become partakers of the divine nature. So that we will know we are not ordinary human beings. You see, he is the rock and Peter became a stone carved out of the rock when he caught that revelation. That's why the key to transformation in the new covenant is beholding him. 2 Corinthians 3.18 But we all, with open face, beholding us in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. It is so important that that revelation be given to every congregation. If you do ministry, you should communicate to people the fact that we have a brand new identity and that Christ is our identity. The life we now have is the Christ life. It's a totally different life. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. All things are passed away. All things have become new. According to 2 Corinthians 5.17. The old does not exist anymore. He is newly created 
in Christ. He is a Christ being. He is a new species of being. Hallelujah. His head might not be fully programmed that direction, but with preaching and teaching and revelation, his mind gets renewed to that reality. But before the renewal of the mind, the mentality is that of Oh, uh, the mentality is that of the world of who he was before. But we should have a change of mentality. Uh, and realize who he is is who we have become. That's why I love Psalm 118, 21 to 24. I will praise you for you have answered me and have become my salvation. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. Jesus has become the chief cornerstone of what God is doing in the earth today. A chief cornerstone does not exist alone. Other stones are placed by it and upon it in order to build a house. The chief cornerstone in Bible days was a stone that was massive and L-shaped and Upon it rested the weight of the building. The cornerstone was very important in the building technology of those days. We all know today that no matter how tall buildings are, no matter how big and heavy they are, they all rest on the foundation. This is like the chief foundation stone that holds everything together. And Jesus is called the chief cornerstone. Now, he is a brand new beginning of something new that God was starting in the earth. And everybody that does not be, line up with Christ does, does, is just not recognized. All the religion that had existed in the Old Covenant was about to pass away in the sight of God and have no recognition whatsoever. He was the stone rejected by those religious leaders of those days. But today he is the chief cornerstone. But he is not just chief cornerstone. We are also part of the building. You see, it's in oneness with him. And that's why there are some other scriptures Acts 4 verses 11 to 12 quoted that psalm by saying, this was Peter's preaching here before the Sanhedrin. And he said, this is the stone which was rejected by you builders. You see those builders now who rejected the chief cornerstone. He was talking to the chief priests and the elders in the temple. This is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Nor is there salvation in any other. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Anyone not saved who does not believe in the name of Jesus is not part of that building. He's not even a part of what God is doing in the new covenant at all. Hmm. Now listen to this. Also in that same direction, 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. Let me read from verse 1. Coming to him as to a living stone. Now Peter said... Look, coming to him, coming to Christ as to what? A living stone. This chief cornerstone is a living stone. Rejected indeed by men. The stone which the builders rejected has now become the chief cornerstone. So coming to him as to a living stone. Why will he say living stone? Um, in other words, the word stone is being used uh, as, um, uh, as an analogy here of a spiritual building, uh, the God's temple. It now says, coming to him as a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also as living stones. You see that? That's why it was so important that they caught the revelation of who he was. Because the church he is about to be built is going to be built in his image. And as a reflection of him. And on the earth, they will be representatives of him. 
Wherever they go, he goes. Glory to God. It, it's a oneness with Christ in the church. So he has said, coming to him as a living stone in, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious, you also as living stones have been built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Therefore, it is also contained in the scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Glory to God. I love these scriptures very, very much. The revelation of Jesus is the foundation for taking territories because it's all about Jesus. So Jesus has come now and the assignment of the church is to take territories on his behalf. When we are taking territories, he is the one taking the territories through us. Now, you need to understand, the entire territory belonged to God. Then Adam fell through sin and handed the territory of this world over to the devil. So you will see statements like Jesus in John 14 verse 30 says, The prince of this world cometh and he hath nothing in me. Uh, and what was he saying there? The ruler, the word prince there means a ruler, a governor of this world. The, the word world there is from the Greek word cosmos, which means the social system. He comes and he has no right over me or power over me. That was what is meant by he has no right in me. He's got nothing in me to lay hold on to. John 14 verse 30. Praise God. So uh, can you kindly put that on the screen for us? Because I want people to see that it was the Lord Jesus himself who made that particular statement. That the prince of this world cometh. And he has nothing in me. And is the devil he's referring to there as a ruler of this world system. Glory to God. He is the one running the affairs. So people wonder, oh, where, where are all these disasters coming from? All the fire that's ravaging BC, ravaging California, USA, the earthquakes, the tremors, the disasters. Where's terrorism from? Where is God looking at? Why is God allowing all of these things to happen? The reality is God is not the one in charge of those things. There's a devil out there who is also called in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 4 the God of this world. He is the one running the affairs of this world. You and I are now called the church to now take territories for Christ. We are, 2 Corinthians 5 20 says, now we are ambassadors for Christ. That's another terminology for us. We are ambassadors for Christ. I told you yesterday that the ecclesia, the Greek word used for church, the ecclesia was a legislative assembly representative of the people but appointed by the king. It was a king that appointed them. And what he gave the ecclesia was delegated authority. Now you and I have delegated authority. What are we to do with the delegated authority? To take territories for the Lord. That's our assignment. Matthew 28 18 to 20, he put it this way. The Bible says, uh, you, you know, when he rose from the dead, the Bible says, he said, and all authority in heaven and in earth has been given unto me. All power, it says in the Old King James Version. Go ye into all nations and go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations. Make disciples of all nations. Now, the devil was, has been the girl of this world in charge of all the territory. We have been told to collect the territory from him. 
Make disciples of all nations. Go everywhere and take over on my behalf. Get people saved and don't only just get them saved, get them to become disciplined followers of mine. That's what Jesus said. That's what the word disciple means. It means a strict adherent. It means a disciplined follower of Christ. This great commission, we have a responsibility to carry out everywhere we go. And every church, every minister of the gospel must never forget that assignment. We must keep our churches focused so beyond our four walls. For a church to just be focused on herself is an anomaly. A church that does not evangelize has lost its purpose completely. We must be evangelistic. A Christian that does not factor evangelism into his personal lifestyle has lost the purpose of his Christian life. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There is more to live for than what to eat, what to drink, what to wear. There's far much more to live for. The devil is not joking about his agenda to take as many people as possible to hellfire. He is not joking, friends. He is not joking with it. He is doing everything he can. He is using the rulers of the darkness of this world, forces of darkness, to influence every facet of human life. He is controlling the media. You all know that except certain movies have certain kind of content these days, uh, you, 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 you hardly see them at all. In the series and so on, especially when it comes to issues of sexuality, <laughs> there is no big movie, no big series where you will not see that there's, there's a guy with a guy, a girl with a girl there. They are pushing it. It's an agenda. It's a strategy. So that they want us to raise all our kids seeing that as the numb. Whereas it's against the scripture. Even some, of the, some parts of the church are condoning now. I'm not saying we should condemn. But at the same time, why should we condone? We don't need to bend the word of God over backwards. No, the word of God is very clear. God instituted marriage. Man did not institute marriage. And if he felt it was okay for Adam and Steve to be married to each other, he would have made it so from the beginning. If he thought it was right, God himself would have designed itself. We have a good news to tell, but we are telling it badly. We should be bold with it. So here comes a Christian. He walks in a place of work, and all he's just there to do with his life, all he's just doing with his life is, oh, you know, his, his personal ambitions of how to be able to eat well, send his children to the right, best schools, and live in a good home. And all, Is that all that there is to your life? You have to realize you're an ambassador. An ambassador does not go to a foreign nation on his own terms. An ambassador is sent. He does not send himself. An ambassador is sent. Secondly, an ambassador is sent with a message. When you go to a foreign land, you are sent with a message. Number three, you represent the interests and the culture of the sending nation. That's why the Bible says our citizenship is in heaven. We are just here as ambassadors. We must not forget where we come from. We must not forget home country. We must not forget the nation we represent, the kingdom of heaven that we represent. Number four, we are to declare the ambassador reflects the wealth and the culture of his sending nation. Oh yes, he dresses like that. 
he reflects home country, where he's coming from. That's why you and I should be reflecting the fruit of the Spirit here. And not, and not, you're not following the standards of the world. I'm, I don't, I'm old school, yeah, that's what they will call me. But I'm beginning to have challenges today. Everybody that's turning 40, especially, you know, have to do a photo shoot. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with that. I did one when I was going to turn 50. They made me do one, I should say. That's I careless. But they made me do one, and it's okay to do it. But what do I have to prove if I'm overexposing my body to the whole world? Is that what it means to look young? Why is sexy the standard of dressing in the church just because it is in the world system? Why? Have we ever asked that question before that why must, why must I look sexy? For who? <laughs> what message am I trying to pass across? And I see people trying their best to look as young as possible and look as appealing as possible. For what? <laughs> who are you looking for? I mean, one day I was listening to a Christian radio music minister in, in America who was they're going to preach, I think I was going to preach in Las Vegas, and, and, and I was staying somewhere in California, and we're traveling this Sunday morning, and I heard this wonderful singer that I respected, you know, uh, and this, this other popular singer, a lady, you know, called into his program, and he said, I've been meaning to ask you a question. Am I sexy? I'm like, what is the purpose of this radio program in the first instance? I thought we were trying to be a positive influence on people. What a sexy have got to do it, my brother. I wish I could get into the studio and just chase him out of the place and say, Man, you've lost a sense of purpose. We all ought to have a sense of purpose wherever we find ourselves in this world system. And pastors should teach their church members so. We should teach everybody to catch a vision. That's the difference between a vision and an ambition. If it's a vision, then there is a kingdom interest. Uh, that you want to serve where you are. Daniel found himself a prime minister. It was not about making his family, you know, comfortable. The family will automatically be comfortable. Praise God. There's prosperity in the will of God for you. But for Daniel, what mattered was to influence the kingdom of Babylon. The guy excelled in visions and dreams and in the interpretation of them so much that he was made the prime minister. The king made him the head of all the magicians. I, I I'm sure you've read that, Pastor. It interested me the day I read that thing. He was made the head of magicians and sorcerers. I'm like, look, what a company to be in. <laughs> you know, Daniel, hey, this is your company. These are your guys here. And these guys are there with all sorts of demons and familiar spirits. <laughs> but you guess what? Daniel excelled above all of them. And so I'm sure all of them are like, so Daniel, teach us how you do yours. And that is where Daniel will start teaching them the law of Moses and disciple them to become children of God. No wonder thousands of years later, Jesus will be born and some of them will pick it in the spirit realm and come to worship him in Jerusalem. The Maggie, they came from the east. They saw, said, we saw his star. We 
they saw his star. The guy, Daniel had taught them things about Bible prophecy and they were from generation to generation it was passed down and they were on the lookout for when the son of God would be born. Even the Jews did not realize the son of God was born. Influence. Somebody say influence. If you will capture a kingdom vision, God will use the gifts and the talents he's given you and his anointing upon your life. He will use it to take you to positions of power and influence where you will be a model to other people. They will look up to you and you will teach them about Jesus where you have the opportunity to do so, where you don't have the opportunity to do so. You will use your position of influence to make policies that are righteous and then you will use your personal lifestyle to preach a new order to them and you will promote righteousness wherever you find yourself. So the kingdom of God is advanced primarily by evangelism, winning souls to Christ, but it is also advanced by influencing power and policy. Influencing power and policy righteously. That's another way we advance the kingdom of God. We have the person of Christ. We have the principles of Christ. Uh, and of course, we have the power of Christ. So there are times when we advance the kingdom not just by introducing the person to people, but introducing the principles of Christ Jesus. Glory to God. I, I don't intend to say much today, amen. I will just add one more thing, please. Exercise authority. You want to take territories? Exercise authority. Satan is the god of this world, and he has positioned his henchmen to take charge of every facet of human endeavor and every geographical territory. It's not possible for Lofty Heights to be making the advancement she's making in this land if the forces of darkness over this land are not being addressed. Oh, yes, they've been addressed, and they are being addressed. Even at the inauguration of this church, in my prayers, my statements, I address the forces over this city called Regina. There are forces over city. Daniel chapter 10, Daniel prayed unto God. 21 days later, the answer came through the angel Gabriel, who said from the very first day he prayed, his prayer was answered. Gabriel said he was bringing the answer from heaven, but the prince of Persia would not let him pass. Persia was a kingdom in those days, just like Babylon was a kingdom. And if you check the chronology, you will see that Persia was the one that upstaged Babylon and then became the world superpower thereafter. So, and he said that, look, now that I've delivered the message, when, I, I, when I'm, going, as I'm going back right now, I'm going back to fight the prince of Persia. That power of darkness is still going to fight me on the way. It's not talking about the physical earthly king. It was an angelic, demonic, angelic being. He was going to fight the prince of Persia. This story is in Daniel 10. Read it when you get home. He said that when I am gone forth, in other words, after fighting the prince of Persia, he said the prince of Grecia will come. In other words, the prince of Greece. Now, I don't know how they did the lineup in the heavenlies, but if you check very well in, the, in, the, in, in history again, um, the kingdom that overtook the kingdom of Persia was Greece, the days of Alexander the Great. He conquered, he conquered Persia. Now, by the way, the descendants of Persia are the modern-day Iranians. The descendants of the Babylonians are the modern-day Iraqis. Uh, and then, of course, the Greeks are still the Greeks. Uh, the Greeks are still the Greeks till today. So he said, when I'm gone for it, then I'm gonna, the prince of Grecia will come. So he will now fight that particular principality also. There are principalities to fight. Some of them are territorial over geographical areas. Some of them are over professions and vocations. 
and they have their earthly agents. And that's why when you get into, when you begin to get into certain positions, uh, the fight is no longer a competition in terms of technicalities and the politics of the organization. It now gets spiritual. Oh, yeah, you may not know it, but it gets spiritual. <laughs> if I don't kid yourself, it gets spiritual. Even here in Canada, it gets spiritual. You may not know it. But some, of the, some guys are in certain cults and they're trying to use occultic powers to influence uh, you know, other people so that they can take the positions of power. You have no idea all that goes on. Look, the demons here are well packaged in suits, okay? The, <laughs> the reality is the cults, the modern cults are the ones who rule in this side of the world. Freemasonry, the Illuminati. They are the ones taking control and taking charge in politics, in government, in commerce, and all of that. When a child of God wants to break through into certain levels, you've got to arrest those forces that are there. The, I would round up by making this statement when it comes to this issue of strategic warfare. You know, but don't forget that the church has the power. We, should just, we just need to exercise it. Praise God. On this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you lose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. In Luke chapter 4, you find the same story in uh, Matthew chapter 4. The Lord Jesus Christ had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and then the tempter came to tempt him. That's Satan. And he tempted him with three temptations. But it's one of them that I want to bring out right now. He told him, he took him to a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of this world in the moment of time, and said, all of this uh, I, will I give to you. All of this and their glory uh, have been delivered to me. And who did so? Adam did. And he said, and I, and I give it to whosoever I wish. Come help me look for it in Luke chapter 4. It's somewhere between verses 1 and 8. Uh, or verses 4 and 8, I think. So he said, and I give it to whosoever I wish. All this power and the glory of them. In other words, all this authority and the glory of them. Look at that, verse 6, Luke chapter 4. And the devil said to him, all this authority I will give you and their glory. The glory of the authority over kingdoms and over nations. What is their glory? Glory includes the people, includes the economy, the wealth of those nations. So I'm going to hand them over to you, for this has been delivered to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. Do you think you would like to give it to God's children? That's why he will hand it over to the people he knows. Will, use, will not use that money to support church. He will make sure they don't support evangelism with it. He's going to put it in the hands of people who will finance the movies being, produ being produced in Hollywood. And then those ones will say, hey, before I finance this movie, they look at the script, there's no girl kissing a girl there. There's no man sleeping with a man there. You've got to put it in there. Yeah, That's what is happening now. The people who really have the money to finance the movies being produced in Hollywood right now, they are not the people who go to church. And they are pushing an agenda. I'm pushing an agenda. And, 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 they, are, and, and they are pushing it down. They, they finance elections in various countries with that money. And what they are telling the guy is, when you get there, 
You've got to push this agenda. And they are pushing it. And, and we are swallowing it by force. Now, if you're a Christian and you want to become a billionaire, you want to become a multi-millionaire, you've got to fight to fight because Satan does not want to give you this thing. And he's a god of this world system. And Hagen taught many years ago, said Jesus taught him, whenever you have any need, you need money, claim it. Because he said, everything I created, I didn't create it for the devil and his crowd. I made it for my man Adam, originally. But Satan is the god of this world. Adam sold out to the devil. So he said, whatever you need, claim it from me. Then command the devil to take his hands off your money. He said, because all the money you need is in this world. Satan is the one sitting on it. Lofty heights, all the rest of the money you need to possess the ark, which must show up within the next one month. Yes. Satan is the one sitting over the money. The money belongs to you. It's, all, it's your portion. So we've got to command him, take your hands off our money. Now, because the money is going to come through individuals, individuals have got to pray that prayer. We must do strategic warfare. Command him, take his hands off the money. And then thank God for the angels of God at our disposal. He can say, Jesus taught him to tell the angels, go, ministering spirits, and cause the money to come. Because just like the devil uses his demons to try to keep the money away from God's children, God uses his angels to push the money to his children. When his children ask him, praise God. Look at what he told Jesus in verse 7 of that Luke chapter 4. Look at the condition under which he will give everything to Jesus if Jesus wanted it. He said, all of this I will give to you if you will fall down and worship me. Those who worship him, he hands things over to them. We ought to make sure that as living stones, we offer spiritual sacrifices. We worship our God with everything that we have. We worship him with our bodies, worship him with our money, worship him with our praise. We worship him with everything that we've got. And as we worship and express covenant, you will see God bless us more than ever before. That's why God's students should stop arguing over 10% or whatever. Double it if you don't like 10%. Make it 20. <laughs> Praise God. Under the Old Testament, it was 30-something percent in the minimum that they were given. They gave the tithe. They gave the first fruits. They gave uh, uh, various burnt offerings and, uh, and all sorts of sin offering, trespass offering. The, they gave all sorts under the Old Testament. A typical Jew gave 30-something percent of his income to God. Today's Christian is arguing over 10%. Say every pastor collected 10% is a thief. Is this, is that. You know. And please double it. Praise God. If you have a problem with the 10%, so far, you have a man of integrity as your pastor. You know he won't steal your money. You know. Now, so why don't you double it? Praise God. <laughs> you should stop arguing over irrelevant things. While we are arguing over 10%. They are financing Hollywood and financing politics to push their own agenda forward. So let's learn to exercise our authority. You can't take any territory by not, you have to bind, you have to lose. You will fight a battle of containment. Satan will be trying to keep your church small. He will be trying to keep your, your, your business little. He will try to keep your endeavor, your, your, try to put a cap on you in your career and you can't afford to allow it. If you try to bind on your own, it is not done. Get into agreement with somebody and do it together. If you can't, the two of you can handle it, tell the matter to the church. Let the prayer point be raised in a church prayer meeting. You will break through. You will break through. 
because we represent Jesus on the face of the earth. He has shed his blood to redeem this planet. In his name, we will prevail. Amen. On this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I better stop here so I can entertain questions. Celebrate Jesus. Come and celebrate Jesus. Amen. What a time. Thank you so very much, sir. What a time. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Oh, wow. Ah, glory to God. You know, I'm sure someone may be wondering why the, you know, this session, the ministers, partners, and, um, you know, leaders conference in this um, Festival of Grace. I just need to just, you know, say unequivocally that going forward, as far as this ministry is concerned, and this city is concerned, this is going to be the standard. Paul says that he, he does not want to build or lay a foundation, you know, where somebody else, you know, has built. I looked around, looked for interdenominational ministers conference in this city. I couldn't find any. It's sad. This has been a dream in my heart since 2018. Since 2018. So I said, no, this is not just going to be for the church. Because there are, I mean, look at the number of those of us who are here right now. Those who are pastors in this city that I know, they're just very few. Well, they're not enough. They're not enough. You know, so it's that time where we, like, like um, Rev said, you know, we, we take the church out. A church that wants to prevail in this city, in this nation. You cannot just open your door and ask people to come and just share the word. It must be more than that. That's why for us, with our sense of modesty as a ministry, all those social media platforms, we are there. Our most active is Instagram. And that is deliberate. Because the people we are trying to hook, that's where they are. They're not on Facebook. I'm not on Facebook. I mean, I'm there, but I don't do anything on there. They are not on Twitter. Those we are trying to reach, they are the TikTokers. Yes. They're on Instagram. That's where they are. The growth that you've seen in this ministry, it's God and social media. Power of technology. So when people are complaining, when people are lamenting, when people... We don't do programs, you know, and, um, you know, be distributing flyers. Maybe only year one. No. I understand how that terrain works. And these guys are taking many of them through it. He's the head, Samuel. I deal with him. Set everything in motion. It's also the reason why whenever we make any post, if you go on social media right now, if you go on IG, you hashtag Regina, you'll find Lofty Eye Christian Center. If you hashtag YQR, you'll see Lofty Hyde Christian Center. If you hashtag Saskatchewan, you'll see Lofty Hyde Christian Center. No, you must see it. Until the kingdom of God is fully established. Daddy, I, I don't know if I'd share this with you. You know, pre-COVID days when we used to go out for evangelism like that. I'm not kidding you. We'd go, myself and my team, my wife, my family, Saturdays. We may meet 10 people. I say this under God. Six to seven men of God will say they've not heard about Jesus in this city, in Cornwall. Two will tell you, oh, oh my grandma, um, the, 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 the school that I attended. Many of us who are sleeping, we've got to wake up. 
It does not matter if you're not sitting, you know, on the helms of affairs of a ministry. You've got to take charge. My pastor is not here right now. Pastor Shabai would have told you. I say this with a sense of modesty. When I got into this country, this is the assistant pastor, Pastor Itemo Bongumo. Please celebrate him. Ask him. I took over. That was what I took over the social media architecture. Everything rebranded Twitter, Facebook, um, all of them rebranded to the whatever. Everything. So much such that they gave me a name in the church. <laughs> Mr. Social Media. <laughs> that, that is all he knows. They were using it, some of them were using it to spite me. Yeah, because when we want to do a, a program, and I'd say, okay, so this is the way we, this is going to be done. And someone say, uh, every time, social media, every time. Social media. But they are seeing the results. Even if they were not, the pastor knows the result. And pastor was, I say, Pastor, we'll just go ahead and do what you need to do. <laughs> Hallelujah, glory to God. Let's go into question and answer. So you can visit any of our social media handles. And anybody who may, you have questions right now. Rev is here about ministry, about saving. Let's ask. The microphone is here if you want to ask openly. If you don't want to ask openly, visit any of our social media handles right now. You know, and click on the link there. You can ask anonymously. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. While we begin to... Please, we must ask questions, oh, because if we don't, then this session this morning is not complete, oh. We must ask. That's why we're saying that you can ask anonymously. And the media, when you have questions on the, on the platform, please project on the confidence screen first, you know, so I can then have him, have him take it. Is there anyone here right now who has... Question about it. Yeah, God bless you, Brother Michael. Please celebrate him. <laughs> Brother Michael Alonso is one of our leaders in church. He's one of our cell leaders. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you very much, Pastor. Um, I'd just like you to, you know, put more context into driving ambition and uh, vision. You know, there's a tendency to want to yourself on a personal you know, level and impacts also in church. So how can one um, try to balance ambition and, and also with respect to family or people? For, for, for people or for me personally, I want to, I want to make my family you know, um, comfortable. I want to make my family you know, and I also want to push the gospel. But I have to find, as in how can I place that balance between trying to drive ambition and drive vision? Amen. Very good question. Uh, I, I think that the thin line between vision and the thin line between vision and ambition has got to be the source of it. Where where did um, that plan come from? I'll give you an example. Uh, before I gave my life to Christ as a teenage boy, I wanted to be a lawyer and a politician. Lawyer because I like to argue. Polit <laughs> politician because I wanted to be famous. And I wanted to steal. In Africa, people go into public office to steal, to make money. So that, those were personal ambitions. They were rooted in a corrupt mindset that was affected by uh, you know, a society with endemic corruption in her culture. Everything about it was selfish. So in ambition, it's selfish. Uh, that's different from the vision God gave me to now become a minister of the gospel, which I wrestled with for some time because as far as I was concerned, 
uh, it meant nothing but poverty. <laughs> you know, but God assured me that he was going to take care of me. Now, for me to have the desire that I can put a good roof over the head of my family, send my children to good schools, that those ones are manner, they are matters of personal responsibility. And the scriptures are very clear that on, on those, that if a man does not provide for his own, especially the of his household, he has denied the faith and he is worse than an infidel. So uh, it, is, it is okay to dream of having a good life for your family, uh, but it's ambitious not to have anything more than that. That all that there is to my life is just to have a good life for my family. No, this kingdom, this kingdom, even the children themselves, you want to raise them to be kingdom influencers. You want to raise them to be godly children whose thinking is not limited to what they will eat, what they will drink when they grow, grow up. How do you have a good life? What difference do you want to make for God's kingdom? How do you want to impact society positively with the values of God's kingdom? What are the gifts and the talents God has given you that you can put to use in the service of humanity? And while it includes church, it's not limited to church. So we, uh, so we developed, my wife and I in raising our kids, developed that mentality in them uh, that you know, we want to serve in the local church but is thinking that even in terms of uh, the career they want to pursue, the business they want to pursue, there are certain things they want to do to impact society especially. Uh, there are times when certain professions don't have much that in, within the sphere of their operation uh, where you can impact society much. I mean, imagine you are doing some IT security thing from the corner of your bedroom or something. Um, who are you really impacting there? So, but it may be a matter of God's given me a gift to make a lot of money there that I can now plow into God's house and into making a difference in the lives of the poor. Um, it was Melinda Gates at a conference that I attended some time ago who said, uh, Bill and I did not, when we set up Microsoft, did not set it up in order to make the kind of money we eventually got. We just wanted to meet a need in the business space. And then all the money came. We have to start asking ourselves, why will God allow us to have all this money? So, so she said, the soul searching now began, and prayer, and she mentioned, you know, how she, in a private place of prayer, uh, because she was raised a Catholic one day, and that she, she always had her quiet moment of meditation and prayer every day. You know, it came to them uh, that it should be the poor children of Africa that they should release, they should use the money to take care of. Now that's, that kind of mentality uh, we should train all children of God to have in the house of God. You don't live your life to yourself. You live for the one who shed his blood to buy you back 2,000 years ago. In the process of living our lives for his purpose, he will definitely take care of us. Amen. He will definitely bless all of us. Amen. Hallelujah. Come and celebrate Jesus right now. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. I can see my brothers. Okay, before. So we are having, there are two people's hands up over there. Um, while they prepare to ask the question, I think we have um, one question on slide or two. But you just um, um, corroborate what Reverend said in respect to Brother Mike's question. And because I know him very well, um, He's pretty new, you know, in the country. You know, I think 
March or April or so. So they're pretty new, you know, and I understand his concerns. You know, you have this heart for the Lord. You're born in for the Lord, you know, and you stepped into a new territory and you realize that, okay, so there is no house help, there is no maid, no cleaner. And for him, fortunately, you just became a dad. Hallelujah. Just about a month or two months ago. Come and celebrate Jesus. So I understand all of all those. You see, the truth is that things will pan themselves out. Just take time, you know, and um, just continue to follow the flow. And make sure that, you know, your heart stays connected to the Father's business and to the Father. And I can tell that your heart is actually in it. All right, but please, we all, we all. I mean, this room right now is about 80, um, 85% um, immigrant, you know, we all found ourselves in there. Many of the dreams that I had in 2016 when I was coming, they didn't see the light of the day until 2017. You know, because frankly, as a man, you want to care and make sure that your family, they are okay before you begin to pursue personal, you know, desires and all of that. For, for the, um, what you call it, for the ministry, yes, you can just take it one step, you know, at a time. Bear in mind, though, the order. God first, Family second, followed by ministry. Ministry is not the same thing as God. All right. So, amen. Celebrate Jesus. Hallelujah. Yes, my brother, Dr. Dr. Ken. Yeah. Please, Dr. Ken. I think Dr. Ken raised his hand up first, right? Yes. Dr. Ken, yeah. Pastor Wall, I'm coming to you. Celebrate Dr. Ken, please. Thank you. And his beautiful wife, actually. Thank you. Celebrate them. Thank you, Reverend Victor. This, like, um, I just, I want to put it in a way that everyone will be able to think through. Okay. Like you said, when you come in into a new territory, you have so much you want to do for God, especially if you have been active. Have to, yes, yes. Active where you are coming from, yeah. and it's like you are entering a docile place where the activity you used to, you are not being able to do that. Like you said, you want to in order first before you now get in. Like uh, two days ago, for the first time I stepped into Mosaic Stadium. My wife was there. We went to watch my son play football. And the first thing that came to my mind, so we have a place like this. Why have we not organized a program for all the Christians or the believers to have a crusade or healing minister or something like that? That's the first thing that came to my mind. So, and I realized we are in a land where we need to conquer. So my question, sir, is this. How can we, like you said, immigrants, we came in and we want to do something really big, strong for God. You try to get as many ministers to be able to see how, you know, how few in that was able to come. How can we, in detail, really make this come to pass? Because we're bombarded with what we what is going on in other nations mean Nigeria. We see what God is doing and we, we want to see same but Amen. it's like that is that is here and there. It's like a closed system so to say. Amen. My question is how do we break out of this closed system? By doing single-handedly what we are doing? Is it going to be something corporate? Is it going to be how to involve the, the, the people of the land? So my my heart is just boxed up. I mean, the Lord bless you, my brother. I feel I, I feel the heaviness of your heart. Um, I first want to encourage your heart. Uh, Paul said in Romans 1:16, "For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power." 
power of God unto salvation. This gospel is powerful. As we seek to preach it, it will, it will change lives. People will get saved. Um, I believe, uh, secondly, First Peter 1.23 says, Be born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed. That incorruptible seed is very powerful. Now, I'll give um, an, an analogy. When you study the history of the growth of Christianity in Nigeria, Pentecostal Christianity really came into real powerful force and strength in the last 40 years or so. Uh, in fact, when I was a young Christian in the 80s as, as a teenage boy, I still remember that most Pentecostal churches were not found in proper buildings. Most of them were with tall fronts, you know, built, were in sheds, and all of that. It was uh, people like Bessie the Hoser that pioneered in a way that Pentecostalism began to gain influence gradually in the country. I still remember the kind of small fellowships in which we worshipped in those days. Now we have all these powerful big cathedrals all over the country. Um, I believe that it's a matter of time. But the important thing is not to be so overwhelmed by the system that we do nothing. It's a difficult system, there's no doubt about it. One part of it is the part of strategic prayer. The second part of it is the part of doing things together. The people should do things individually, but we cannot do as much individually, individually as we can do together. And that reminds me of 1986. Uh, Ilone Quara State was where I grew up at the time. And uh, the man who will later become my spiritual father, Reverend George Adeboye, was uh, part of a fellowship of Christians, just mostly students and then just a few fresh graduates. And he led an effort to uh, get the body of Christ in town uh, to host. Archbishop, the late Archbishop Benzin, that was in a big crusade, like, look, let's do something big for once and shake this Islamic stronghold. You know, because Christianity was not just that strong in the city, uh, but it was able to solicit help from the wider body of Christ. Thank God, he had a network of relationships through Full Gospel Businessmen's Fellowship International. He leveraged on that to get cooperation from the wider body of Christ. And he got the Christian Association of Nigeria involved to back them up. And they hosted Idahosa. The crusade was big. It was strong. And, you know, whenever Pentecostals in Nigeria, they were afraid of doing anything, they got Idahosa to come. Even the government was afraid of him. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and, and that kind of like broke something in the atmosphere of that town. We began to see churches flourish thereafter. So that joint effort thing is also very important. Efforts should be made to cooperate with other ministers of the gospel in town for, for the pastors to come together, pray together. It's powerful when we unite in prayer like that. And then secondly to also now get some major events, at least post-COVID, as soon as COVID is over, to occasionally get some major events to take place that will call the attention of the city and then make the people ask questions. Because again, this part of the world is tougher. The average Nigerian has heard about God before, every average Nigerian. 
there is no Nigerian that has not heard the name of Jesus. But it's not so the same with Canadians. Right. And that's what Pastor was talking about. You talk to some people and they are like, we did not, they are not aware of Jesus. Who is Jesus? You know, I was trying to evangelize a lady. I was doing a, a stress test. I was doing uh, my annual physical in London a number of years ago. And, you know, so this lady put me on this treadmill, strapped all the things she was strapped to my body. And I had only 10 minutes with her. So I quickly wanted to preach the gospel. My pastor used to say, Victor can get his soul saved in five minutes. He will present the gospel message. When I asked her whether she was a Christian and she was like, uh, I guess so. I was born a Christian. I was wondering where do I start from. <laughs> then, then she chuckled. <coughs> Not like I go to church. <laughs> Maybe there's a wedding or Christmas. I may go. I mean, so many world religions. Who knows what to believe? But then she was done. I had no idea where to start from because I had never faced any challenge like that. You know, so in studying books, you know, like there's one by one Mark Mittelberg, he now explained that in the Western world, to get people saved, you build friendship first. That it's friendship evangelism that mostly works here. So you first develop relationship with people who are among, around common interests between the two of you. And as you continue to show them love and care, as trust is built, then eventually you can start chipping in the gospel and then inviting them for events. Amen. Yeah. Celebrate Jesus. Yeah. Celebrate Jesus. You know, I, what Reverend just shared right now reminds me of, you know, um, I think it was in 2018 or 20, 2018 or 19, the gentleman we called to do some feature wall painting. You know, when you enter my home as an artist, um, what do you call them, artisan, you know, I used the opportunity to preach the gospel, of course, you know. And um, I started sharing the gospel with him and all of that. And I'm sharing this to let you understand that in respect to Dr. Kent's question, you see, these things are, they are, they are deeper. They're not just spiritual, but it's hard to say that certain so-called men of God, they've also scattered ground. They mess things up. Okay, now, in respect to this gentleman I was talking about, I began to talk to him, and eventually he opened up to me how he was raped by a priest when he was younger. So he shots everything and anything the gospel. And in respect to this environment, you know, that we are in, for example, that's this society. I'm very certain, I mean, just um, September 30th, we celebrated um, the Truth and Reconciliation Day. As an HR professional, I am one of the um, diversity and inclusion, you know, consultants in my office. So I read a lot about this, or the, about the aborigines, the indigenous people, the, the, the pains they suffered, and all of all those stuff. You see, let me tell us the truth. That it's taking the grace of God that people are not walking the streets of nation of Canada and burning down churches. If what happened to indigenous people here happened back home in my country, that perhaps would be no church anymore. 
If you don't understand what I'm talking about, go study residential school systems where, where they, 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 they take off children from their parents, the indigenous, under the guise of they are not responsible, they are not able to take care of them, and they force them into what is called residential school system. And those kids, you know, were being molested, harassed, forcefully taken, you know, from their parents. Each time I think about it, my heart still aches. So when you meet a, an average indigenous, not even indigenous people, the people are very sympathetic and empathic, you know, in this environment. And you not understand why many of them have this very divisive and very off reasoning, you know, concerning anything church. Because the residential school systems um, 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 mess, you know, is still there. Now, September 30th, every year, now Truth and Reconciliation Day has come to stay. So as long as this nation remains and until Jesus returns, that memory would always be enacted or reenacted every 30th of September. It's taking the grace of God that people are not taken to the street and burning down churches. I read sometimes... Um, earlier on this year, someone saying, um, you know, they should go look for, um, don't let me mention the name of the sect, but you all know the sect of Christianity I'm talking about, that they should begin to burn them, burn them down. I saw that on social media. But you 